Hey there. Welcome to the Author Elevate podcast, where we celebrate books, equip authors, and promote brain-happy creative living. I'm Janina Bolito, your friendly host, and I am so glad you're here. We're going to be discussing tips for doing research in your genre and some of the latest news in the publishing industry, including rumors that TikTok is doing a publishing imprint? Really? Is this happening? <laughs> okay. But first, before we dive in, if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications so you never miss an episode and you never miss some of the exclusive videos that we are that I am putting on YouTube. I just finished recording one today. I'm super excited about it. So for those of you who are listening to this uh, purely on podcast apps, that is totally fine. But if you hop over to YouTube, there will be some YouTube exclusive videos as well. We're talking about quick book reviews, book features, uh, special topics on mental health, and more. I'm super excited about this. So make sure that you uh, hop over to YouTube once in a while and subscribe there as well. Also, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, uh, Amazon, etc. Super excited. Uh, please make sure to subscribe there as well. And if you are loving this show and you're super excited, please do give us a rating on Apple iTunes. Now, we also have an awesome Facebook group, the Author Elevate Jam Session with daily prompts, questions, encouragement, and support. And that is the main place I hang out online besides the author, um, the weekly author chill zone, which is my email newsletter. So if you want to be able to talk to me more consistently, those are the two places where I primarily hang out as I'm available in my, you know, crazy busy schedule. And also <laughs> uh, with varying energy levels as I have from day to day. And a huge shout out and thank you to Gretchen E.K. Ingle, our latest subscriber on Patreon. Thank you so much for believing in what we do and supporting Author Elevate and keep at your fantastic writing. Gretchen does great things. I have the honor to know her um, as a friend and as a fellow author and she does great short stories and she's basically a rock star. So I, I'm so honored that you're supporting what we do here at Author Elevate, Gretchen, and thank you so much. Now, if you'd like to support Author Elevate and get some extra tips, check us out on Patreon. Our mission is market-focused author help with a psychological brain-happy angle, and we are super, super excited to get into this space and to really bring both that career focus, but also that very personal um, brain happy focus so that you can have sustainable success. Plus, as a supporter, you get uh, bonus content, early access to episodes, shout outs, and of course, a sticker. <laughs> now, uh, for some personal shares. First of all, Realmakers was amazing and super, super encouraging. And if you saw on uh, my personal Instagram, I went in a little bit sort of like excited, uh, especially because we were going out to Missouri and I'm pretty familiar with St. Louis. So even just going to that particular conference a hotel in St. Louis felt sort of like, oh, this is familiar and I'm, I'm going home. But also... A little nervous because this is only the third Realmakers I've been to, and I this is my tenth time going to this conference, but it's the only the third time I've gone without a publishing house. So the first two years I didn't have a publishing house, and then the next seven years I, I did, and then this is my third time going without one. And it was it was kind of odd, you know, to not have like all this fanfare or this sense of oh, you know, um, I'm representing something here, but it was a blast. 
My Realmways are amazing. I love all of you guys. And you're super, super encouraging, welcoming, affirming. Thank you so much for your existence. I had a great time mentoring authors, uh, talking about writing trauma-informed fiction, uh, doing social media and marketing audits for people and giving them feedback. I got to discuss like... (laughs) the whole like bits of history about different punks and steampunks and how they derive from historical periods or themes like with an author who just really wanted to know about that and so thank you (laughs) for letting me just nerd out um I got I would dressed as Kate Bishop um for the banquet which was also a hoot and lots of fun um I did that with as a group cosplay with uh, H.L. Burke and Catherine Bonham. And it was just a lot of fun and a great time just hanging out and talking with people till like my voice went hoarse, which is always like when I'm talking and engaging so much that my voice is hoarse and I'm feeling like I'm just going to collapse. That's okay. I, I've chosen lately to sort of like just spend myself out at these conferences and then just realize I'm going to come home and have like zero spoons for days. But that's okay with me because this is time to really connect with people. This is that amazing time for author networking, which I talked about earlier. Uh, It's just wonderful to get that FaceTime with people. And I wanted to use every minute of it. So thank you so much, all of you at Realm Makers. You guys are amazing. There's the heart. Um, So also in the grand tradition of summer busyness on this coming Sunday, I'm heading off to help my husband with overnight sword fighting camp. He runs as part of Stronghold Sword Fighting Youth Ministry. Uh, Link is below because I will absolutely plug his ministry for anyone who's looking for cool stuff for their kids to do that is geeky and fun and Christ-centered. So that exists there. Um, So continuing to keep things busy and again having to sort of negotiate because I'm helping with help with with the overnight camp but I'm also doing some client work still um and also trying to keep my energy level this it's kind of an ongoing negotiation sometimes when you live with uh chronic illnesses and mental health things you're always having to like consider things as you go ahead I don't I don't know if any of you guys feel me on this if you do drop it in a comment comment below or on social media where it's just like when you have those extra conditions there is no such thing as just picking up and going anywhere you always have to like think about things ahead of time you always have to have to plan things out ahead of time and negotiate things and sometimes that can just be towering on its own and occasionally it's been like well I'm just not going to go because I don't want to have to deal with that but then parts and you like to go places so it's kind of like that push and pull and all of that you have to deal with so (laughs) it's life and and a final news about my writing the superheroes are off kindle vela so i have taken my superhero serial story off kindle vela um and i am going to be finishing up and getting it up um off to the editor for a highly unique editing job (laughs) I texted her and said, so, you know, that, you know, serial story you've been like editing through week by week. Well, I'm just going to finish it up and send it all to you. And she's like, so half of like a chunk of it is going to be like well edited and the other chunk is sort of not going to be. And I'm like, yeah, this is why you love me because I'm I do things to you like this. (laughs) Thankfully, she is also a good friend and she's like, well, you keep it interesting. I'll figure out how I'm going to charge you for this. So that that happens. Um. And that was just because I, in particular, was on Kindle Vela as a form of personal accountability and to give myself a reason to write through some very difficult times through the first half of this year. And it worked. And I got words written when I just didn't feel like it otherwise. So that was great. But I wasn't really in it for the money. Profit wasn't one of my goals. And 
once I realized that this book was going someplace and that it was getting ready to be finished, I'm like, I'm just going to take it off now. I haven't really been promoting it because that hasn't been my focus with it. I literally started doing Vela just for the accountability for myself. So that's where that stands. And I am excited uh, to be pursuing that further. If you were on my fiction newsletter for all those awesome readers out there, that is where I'm going to be giving more updates about that um, on my fiction newsletter and also um, in my reader Facebook groups. So really excited there. Now, on to the take of the week. Now, sometimes this is just sort of my opinion or thoughts or philosophies on certain things that come up. But this week, I actually managed to find a couple of fairly recent articles that I thought were really interesting. And again, I'm going to have them linked below in the YouTube description on YouTube. And I'll also have them on the on the website. Um, each podcast episode gets its own little blog post, and I'm going to have it there. And just a side note, if you didn't know this already, all new episodes have transcripts or blog posts connected to them. So if you hop over to the Author Elevate website and go to podcast, all of the new episodes, starting with episode 28, have a transcript that you can read or they're connected to a blog post. So for those of you who like to read things, that is now available there for you to read and enjoy, etc. Now, so I managed to find these articles and I said, huh, this is interesting. So we're going to talk about this for a little bit before we dive into the uh, main topic of discussion for this episode. So the first one I found, uh, this is on Book Browse News, uh, your guide to exceptional books. So again, take it a little bit with a grain of salt, although um, on Book Browse, they said the source of this information was the New York Times. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. The, this is dated July 1. Uh, ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, began courting self-published romance writers earlier this year. So TikTok has already been like huge in certain genres and has been huge about selling books. It also has like some things about it that are a little bit sketch in terms of who is running it and what their intentions are and how much data they're taking from you and how the algorithms work. Uh, it's one of those things where it's, it, I think it, it's kind of like, you know, eating fries like that are come from McDonald's and you know, these aren't the best fries, but for some reason they taste really good. <laughs> And so I, I sort of liken that to how people are connecting over TikTok, even though there's a lot of examples of things where it's not doing things very, in very savory ways. People just go, oh, it's okay. I'm having fun. We're just going to stick with it. Uh, give me more fries, please. So when they said, oh, we're going to go into self-publishing romance, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Now, again, they have not declared anything. They declined to confirm details about their publishing and retail operations. So these are... Uh, just sort of little bits and pieces that are coming down the pike. Um, and it's not really talking about which genres it plans to publish or when the titles will appear, what that looks like. Again, they're keeping things really close to the vest, which is pretty typical of uh, bite dance. But it's interesting to see how that's going to go. Um, I think this, this rumor has been around for a bit. It's been floating around for a couple of months, but it looks like it's continuing to float around and they're continuing to move ahead in some way, shape or form. The economy is a little bit fishy right now, so we'll see if maybe they're just sort of hedging their bets and seeing how things go. Um, and, and I'm curious. So what do you guys think about this whole thing with uh, TikTok potentially, potentially uh, having some kind of publishing imprint attached to it? What do you think about that? I'm kind of, I don't know. 
Like, I'm sort of like, maybe this is just kind of rumors. Maybe it's not going to go anywhere, but maybe it is. So that's one thing that I found that was interesting. And then on Publishers Weekly, and this article is July 14th, 2023, uh, two new class action copyright lawsuits um, are being launched up against the growing scrutiny of generative AI tools. So these are authors who are going up and saying, hey, um, it looks like you are uploading our books into the AI to teach it things. Um, but the interesting thing is the law's not really on their side here. Um, the landmark Kelly versus Arabasoft case held that the reproduction display of photos as thumbnails was fair use. And then there's the landmark Google Books case, which one Larry noted that if Google's bulk copying and display of ten, tens of millions of books was comfortably found to be fair use, it's hard to see how books used to train AI would not be, while also cautioning that fair use cases are notoriously fact-dependent and hard to predict. So that's the interesting thing. Um, th there's a difference between what is fair in terms of what feels fair and what is just and right and what works with the law. And things that are legal may or may not be savory, ethical, or sound, but they are still in the law. <laughs> This is the way the law works, and I think it's one reason why I would never survive as a lawyer. I think I would have like gone gray already and been super stressed out. Um, so I'm going to link the article down on YouTube on my YouTube channel as well, and I'm also going to include it on the blog post of, for this podcast, um, so that you can um, kind of review it and think about it for yourself. Uh, the interesting thing is the Authors uh, Guild weighed, on, weighed in on this on a June 29th statement. They applauded the filing of the litigation, but also appeared to acknowledge the difficult legal road the cases may face in court. Uh, using books and other copyrighted works to build highly profitable generative AI technologies without the consent or compensation of the authors of those works is blatantly unfair. And I would agree with that. This is not fair. This is not right. This is not just these people worked really hard on these books and you're just going to feed it in so other people can do things much easier. But the question is whether or not a court ultimately finds it to be fair use according to the law versus the idea of general ethics of fairness. And when I bring this up to y'all, I know it can feel discouraging for some of you, especially those of you who are super value driven. You're like, well, this is this isn't fair and I'm getting discouraged. Why is the law like this? Um, and you have a right to be. It's it's not fair. It's annoying. It's difficult. But you that's where you need to own your own goals and reasons for writing more. That's why you need to know what you're going to be doing even more for this. That That's why you need to understand, you know, why you're in this whole thing to begin with even more. Because these kind of things are going to happen all the time. Um, AI is just another huge revolution over this. And I'm going to put um, a link to the podcast I did with Jessica Fry back in April about AI and the ramifications of it and how it bears out in terms of historical changes of technologies. So that's where you have to sit back and figure out where you're going to stand with this. Now, of course, as I mentioned in that, that previous AI episode, it's going to be a huge jumble. There's going to be a lot of people who have um, a lot of things on the line for this. And the American way is generally that progress is good. We're not always good at reining in things like that all the time. Um, that's just not part of the general American vibe. I mean, 
if you look historically, we tend to just kind of jump into things and then we later go, whoops, that was not a great idea. Why did we do this? Um, so that's something you're just going to have to think about and consider as you're going ahead with things. But for those of you who are Christians, um, as a Christian myself, I do everything because I know it has eternal significance. If I'm called to do it, I'm going to do it, even if maybe it doesn't always make sense or if things happen that are very discouraging, because I know even if it doesn't matter here or I don't see all the success as someone who may is, maybe is gaming the system here, then I, um, I know that it has eternal significance uh, for me. And, and, and speaking to that is the most important thing that I can do. You have to figure out where you stand with this. You have to figure out why you're doing this. You have to figure out what matters to you most. And I can't make that decision for you and neither can anyone else. Um, so make sure that you keep your head on straight with all of this stuff. It's going to be a pretty wild ride. I said that back in April. I said that back in January and it's going to continue to be so with this. Um, and we'll just have to see where things flesh out with all of this and um, what choices uh, the government makes and judges make and et cetera that set certain precedents for use of AI uh, in the future. And the final thing I found was, and I'm not going to go through this too much because I think it's kind of like uh, sort of obvious. Uh, this is from The Guardian. And this is Tuesday, the 18th of July, 2023. There's an industry-wide mental health crisis, authors and publishers on why the book sector needs to change. <laughs> now, I'm going to say, I mean, the gentlest way I can say this, duh. <laughs> like, <laughs> you are taking something that is inherently like brain focused that requires incredibly uh, complex patterns and inner work to get on the page and then you're taking someone and shoving them into the public sphere and saying okay ready set go um, as someone who is both an author but also works in marketing industries and has aptitudes at both they take two very different <laughs> skill sets two very different mindsets and so Authors never feel bad if you feel like you're thrust into something that is so new and so different. Um, the act of creating something, especially creating something with the written word um, in the fiction in the fiction fields where it's so inherently like internally creative and, and thoughtful, and then having to turn around and put on your marketing cap and just push yourself out there. I've never met many other industries that ask such diverse and such different things of one individual that may not be coherent with their innate gifts or personality. So it's not you. It's just a weird industry. Okay. Um, but that being said, they are uh, taking some different measures to address the concerns um, about how the publication process adversely affected the mental health, how they, these authors felt used, how they felt, um, you know, like they were just a product and they were just on display um, and that uh, how things can be very isolating and that's that's legit. And, you know, the feelings are real. Um, I'm going to link this article as well so you can read through it and um, work through it. And 
we'll see how things go with this. I'm glad to see that industries at large are trying to do a bit with this. Um, I don't think that houses will do enough, um, which is why one of the reasons, again, that I uh, believe so strongly in Author Elevate, that A.C. Williams, who is still active behind the scenes, believes in this, um, that we're all fans of this because it is long overdue to bring in those brain happy, mentally, mental health sound sort of things into this industry um, desperately, desperately needs it. And uh, for so many years, that just hasn't been addressed. And it still isn't being addressed, um, except for like sort of in, in some cases, kind of a suck it up buttercup and deal with it. Um, or, or treated like, oh, you're a special like purple flower snowflake, when in fact, it's just that you're acting like someone with a brain and a personality that is being shoved into areas that do not align with you and being forced to say, yes, ma'am, please and thank you, I will do this. Like that's, that's challenging. Okay. Um, and if you see people who are out there and they're going, oh, well, I don't have a problem with it. Chances are those individuals are actually people who already have an entrepreneurial and business mindset and are going into this not as someone who started as author first, but someone who started as, I like to work with people. I like to do business. I like to do all this. My book is going to be another product of that business. Um, so they're approaching it completely differently. And, you know, there's space for everyone in this industry, but it's important to know where you fit. Um, so definitely check out this article as well in a mental health and please make sure that you are always, always checking in with yourself on this. Okay. All right. Now let's go ahead and dive into the main topic of this whole episode. I am super excited about this. I've had numerous people ask me about this. This is something that I have. I, I do this with before I do any kind of editing for every single book I do. Even if I'm very familiar with the genre, I'm always going to do more research just to make sure that I'm getting it right. Because I feel like it's part of my job, not just to say this book is sound in terms of story and craft, but also here are the chances it has of selling and here are the chances where it doesn't. Here are the chances where this choice you made is going to resonate with your readers or potential readers and this is the place where it's not going to resonate or they're going to like alienate them and again never saying that the author has to compromise or has to change or has to not change but just giving that author options i believe in this so much that you have options and make those mindful decisions uh, for yourself so let's talk about how to get started into genre research I could write a whole book about this. It is on my slate to do behind other books <laughs> that I am already working on for authors. Um, but this is just um, a couple of quick steps that you can use to get started into genre research and be able to wrap your head around um, what those other books look like. And again, it can be really easy in this to get into comparisonitis. So make sure that you are in a mentally healthy state when you're starting to do this. Make sure you got some awesome music on or that you're good and prayed up, that, that you are in a place where you can critically and objectively look at all of this stuff as much as possible. And if necessary, then do this with a friend or a couple of friends so that you have that feedback or hire a professional to work on this with you. So first... Identify the key genres in your work in progress, if possible, and how close you want to be to those genres, if possible. So I'm going to use one of my current work in progresses for this. And this is one that is, I, it's currently in the brainstorming stage. Um, it's not quite all the way baked for me to feel like I want to write it yet. 
but um, I am working on a side spinoff uh, trilogy in my urban fantasy universe, and it is going to involve werewolves, um, as well as my otter shifter uh, character, Gideon, because he's a fan favorite and he is amazing. So when I'm thinking about urban fantasy and I'm thinking about werewolves, okay, we have two two big genres here. We have urban fantasy, which has a ton of subgenres, and we also have werewolf stories that are especially urban. Um, so those are some of the key genres in my work in progress. And then I have to think about, and I'm still sort of fiddling about this, which I think is one of the reasons why I haven't written it yet, um, how close I want to be to those genres. Because in terms of books with werewolves, werewolves and shift, there's, there's werewolf paranormal romance, and then there's just shifter romance, which is this whole other genre. So I know I don't want to go too much into those because I want this to align with our urban fantasy series. And if you know me, I like to trope break a bit and I like to, uh, you know, make things a little more fun with that. I mean, one of my main characters in this is going to be an otter shifter already. Some of the shifter romance people are going to look at me like really. And some of the werewolf people are going to be like really because Gideon is, is not an alpha and he's okay with this. And I sometimes like to write characters that are like, not always alphas because I have opinions about that system and I'm not judging people who enjoy that system. I'm going to represent it fairly in the book, but I'm also going to go off this in this direction over there because that's what I do. Um, so that's where I'm like, okay, I know the key genres. It's going to be, um, it's going to have some werewolf stuff in it. It's going to be urban fantasy. It's going to have that strong mystery element to it as well. Um, so, those that's what I'm playing with a sort of mystery werewolf urban fantasy and then uh, a romance thread although it's gonna and it's probably gonna be some kind of faded mates thing because that's something I write a lot of so my readers understand it and I expect it a lot of times and plus it really ties into the um werewolf shifter side of things as well so even though I'm not going to give all the tropes for the shifter things, I'm probably going to do a faded maids thing just because it fits so well. So that's where you have to look at your work in progress. Um, if possible, figuring out what are those key genres and how close you want to be to those genres or how close you want to ignore <laughs> those genres. Uh, the earlier you can figure this out, the better. It might be something where you're not comfortable figuring this out before you write. That's okay. It might be something where you're not, you need to finish the book first. That's okay. I would say at the very least during edits, you need to figure this out. Um, and you need to figure out where you're going to fit. And at the very least, if you're going to like totally go out of left field and ignore the genre tropes, you need to know that like as soon as you can <laughs> so that it helps with your marketing, helps with managing your expectations, etc. Now two, hop onto the search engines and websites and search through the categories using a variety of keywords and specific requests and start marking that information. So I'm going to head to Google. I'm going to head to Amazon. I'm going to go to Barnes and Noble and other bookish websites. I'm going to go to Pinterest. I'm going to go to Goodreads. Um, again, if you listen to my last episode, I'm not active on Goodreads as a reviewer, but I'm going to go there and just go through lists of categories and such. And this is where I'm going to start looking through, okay, you know, quirky werewolf shifter books, werewolf shifter books, werewolf urban fantasy books, um, urban fantasy with, with shifters, urban fantasy with otters. I don't, I think I'm one of the only ones who does that. 
which makes me happy. And I'm just going to like Google through different things. I'm going to search through different things. I'm going to look at covers, at the blurbs, at the tropes, at any editorial reviews. Um, on Amazon, I'm going to click the look inside button. I'm going to look at the reviews. Um, again, I mentioned last week that I don't read my own reviews, but I will absolutely look at other people's reviews if I'm doing market research to see what the reviewers are saying about this book. Um, it's one bit of data during many, like among many. I'm not re- taking the reviews as like the biggest, most important thing that I can research, but it is something I'm going to look into. Um, I'm also going to look at the categories things are getting into and how competitive they are. Um, I'm going to check out the amount of books published in those genres for the demand. Now it's urban fantasy. This is a huge genre that regularly people who, especially on Amazon, who want to get into that genre, they'll kind of say, well, this book is sort of urban fantasy-ish. I'm going to shove it in there and toss a bunch of money on ads and hope I can dominate the category. This is life. Um, It happens. (laughs) So there are ways to work around that. And there's different um, courses I'm in and classes I've taken that help me get around that um, and continue forward. But this is just where you're going to just start doing the research um, on these different places and you're going to start taking out information. You're going to start uh, getting a vibe for what these what these readers are expecting as a whole and start making some kind of estimations and predictions about it. Um, if your brain is already kind of like, wow, this is an overload, <laughs> only do as much research as you can. Um, and take it slow and steady. I know, I know it's a lot. Uh, it, it, this is just how things roll with the research thing. I, I'm kind of a research junkie, so I'm like, yay. But the struggle is real if you're kind of like, whoa, this is a lot of stuff. Wow. Very much. <laughs> now, you get bonus points if you can actually borrow books in Kindle Unlimited um, and just skim through them, which is also something I do. I have a Kindle Unlimited account partly so that I can just borrow a ton of books and skim through them and see what the genre expectations are. Um, Or I might see if I can just buy some books, um, you know, a few of them. If you're buying a couple of books and I recommend doing an ebook, especially if it's just for research uh, and, and using it and you know it specifically for genre research, you can count that as a tax write off as long as you track it and you keep the receipt and you keep the records (laughs) Um, but you know, if you're an author and your goal is to, you know, create books for some kind of aim towards profit, um, you can write off those purchases. You just have to be careful to make sure that's the reason you're doing it and that you have all your ducks in the row and all your paperwork in place, which I, uh, I work really hard to make sure I do. So if you can borrow those books and start or, or, bar the books in KU and start analyzing beats and pros that can be helpful. And in fact, the bonus training for this episode um, that all my Patreons are going to get, our patrons are going to get at Patreon is that I am going to be discussing specifically how you break down those pros beats in a quick video over there. So it's a good time to support the Patreon if you are so inclined. Now, uh, number three Start making same and different lists and figuring out what the commonalities are between different books. What do all the books tend to have? What are things that these different books tend to uh, go in different directions with? What are some places where they're sort of playing around with things? Um, I learned the concept of same and different lists actually from a psycholinguistics class I took in college um, where you had to analyze um, languages and figure out the same and differences to figure out what words meant. And it was basically like playing a word game and it was a lot of fun. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
if you chart those things down and figure out what the commonalities are in these books, then you can figure out where you, how your book matches different books and then how your book is going to be different. And then you can also make the decision if your book is not published, um, do you want to change anything about your book to align more closely with the genre? Or do you just want to say, no, I know that's a thing. I don't care. I'm going to go in my direction with it. Either way is legit. Really, really. So to bring in something else I'm working on, I'm the superhero serial that I'm working on. Um, I did some research on that. Now, doing genre research on superhero books is like a fun extra challenge because it's such a new genre and people aren't really sure how it works. Um, so there's a lot of very different perspectives. A lot of people are bringing in the secondary genres really strong. So it's like, this is superhero, but it's also rom-com. This is superhero, but it's also mystery. This is superhero, but it's also kind of horror thriller. Um, so that has been an interesting case. But one thing that I chose to do with my superhero books in particular is a lot of people who are reading superhero are there more for the adventure and the action, not as much for the romance. So even if you include romance in your superhero book, it's going to look a little bit different. Um, and you're going to have other expectations uh, for it than other genres. And that's something that was really helpful as I looked across different superhero books is how, how I was going to thread in the romance beats in mine. And in this case, um, mine is going to be probably one of the slowest burn romances I've ever written. I'm near the end and they haven't so much as kissed or anything. So that happened. <laughs> but again, that's a mindful choice so that I can really focus on doing, delivering some of the things that readers are also going to love, like you know, showing the team dynamics, showing the sibling dynamics, showing the power training and discovery dynamics, having some of those fights in there, having some of those uh, scenes of good versus evil, and also some of those little bits of gray areas that I always stick in things. Um, and to do all that, I really was like, well, we're going to just ease off on the romance for this some. It's still going to be there. There's still threads, but I'm going to look, do it differently um, after doing that research. And, and it wasn't, any problem for me because I'm very familiar with the superhero genre from movies and comic books and TV shows. So I was aware of how romance already played differently with that. So that's where sometimes after research, you can kind of, it'll either affirm what you're already doing. Like it'll, it'll say, Hey, you know what you're doing here? This is a good idea. Or it can also kind of encourage you to go, huh, I'm probably going to keep backing off on this just a bit. I'm going to keep it on my brand, but I'm still going to follow the tropes a little bit more here to connect with that specific kind of readership and what they're looking for. So that's a choice that you can make. So in summary, uh, three things that you can do to get started. Get started in genre research. The rabbit hole goes so much deeper. <laughs> Is identify the key genres in your work in progress and how close you want to be to those genres. Uh, hop on the hop on search engines, bookish websites, etc., and search the categories using those keywords and phrases and start taking on all that information. And if you can, borrow books. And start making the same different lists and figuring out the commonalities and the differences and how you want to pitch your book and all of that. So welcome to the wonderful world of marketing and market research. <laughs> now, as I mentioned previously, in the bonus content for this episode, I'm going to have some top cheats for how to read books in your genres and pull out key genre elements from a big picture level to a prose level. I am so excited about this. So Patreon, authors, author rocketeers, etc. It is coming your way. And if you're not a supporter, again, this is a great time to join. Also, check out the Author Elevate Jam session. We'll be discussing this week's episode. And don't forget to subscribe. Now go forth and be awesome. <laughs>